I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Auto Travel in a Journey. Today I have with me my very dear student and friend, Philippa Ekorut. Ah, I just learned that you are actually from Sweden. I thought you were from, were from Portugal. Mm. Yeah, but you have parents on both sides. So yeah. where did you grow up? I grew up in Portugal. Mm. Uh, my dad was Portuguese, uh, 100%, and my mom is 100% Swedish. Oh. And yeah, so I grew up until um, I finished high school in Portugal. Yeah, and then you moved to Sweden after, or? Um, well, then after that, um, started a bit the travel adventure, so to speak. Yes. And I did a year in in Sweden because all of our us cousins who didn't grow up in Sweden kind of did that as like a. Um, how do you say, an after school, after a high school. A maturity year, uh, like yeah. some people do mm-hmm. that, yeah, go traveling for a year. So we went to Sweden because it was part of our culture and our family, and we didn't know much about it. Although we spent every, for the first years of my life, we spent every summer um, yeah. in the south of Sweden. My mom's from the south, mm-hmm. so we would go for a month. We had a farmhouse there, and mm-hmm. so that was really nice. But yeah, I didn't, that didn't teach me much about Swedish culture except of what I was taught by my mom at home, living in Portugal, which mm-hmm. was also very, um, yeah, made me feel very un-Portuguese, if we can say. Ah, mm. I see. So there was the conundrum of the cultural clashes that yeah. came through your mother's upbringing, mm. paired in a place where she didn't grow up, yeah. Yeah, what was one of the main factors that made you uneasy? Was it like the food she wanted to cook or was it like mm. no my mom's a terrible cook she didn't cook maybe <laughs> maybe we should cut that out if she's listening now. my mom's a terrible cook um she did manage to feed us but it wasn't it's not her favorite thing um no even something as simple as um not wearing your shoes at home yeah uh, that's so swedish but not portuguese yeah uh-huh. so um yeah, I think for Portuguese, it's actually the opposite. It's actually a bit um, rude if you go to somebody's house and you feel so at home that you would take your shoes off. I, see. I think it's more like that. Whereas for us, it's just simply a hygienic thing. You just yeah. don't walk around in the house with your shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One is not comfortable it's n- and it's also really not hygienic. Yeah. But even something as simple as that, for me, it was just obvious growing up. Yeah. and. Whenever friends would come home, and that was the rule at home, um, they thought it was very, very strange. Some even felt uncomfortable, I was told many years later. (laughs) But for them it was just very strange, and I was always the foreigner who had this crazy mom who asked us to do crazy things, and so on. Mm -hmm. I think for her it was also difficult. She never really integrated, I think then she passed that on to me. Mm -hmm. But I also experienced that for years and years, always hearing people 
um, talk about me as the foreigner, not in any negative way, really, just mm -hmm. as the foreigner. Yeah. I kind of up, ended up living that role. Um, wow. So I never really felt Portuguese in Portugal, uh, nor Swedish in Sweden either. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, as I said, like in before we met, as in what we're going to talk about, I said, like, when I see you and when I hear your history and you're a filmmaker now and you've been living in different countries, it seemed to me like you're one of these people that can't sit still. Not mm -hmm. in the sense that you can't sit still, that you can't be in one place for mm -hmm. too long. Is that part of your upbringing, you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, I, my, my mom made sure that after high school we would leave Portugal. She also put us through English and French school because yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, so that too, you know, it was almost obvious that I would leave. Um, I yeah. didn't, it wasn't really a choice. Like if I look back, mm. um, it's almost like I didn't even cho chose it to stay in Portugal. Yeah. Um, um, so, so I left and I've never been, I mean, I've never been back to live. Mm. in Portugal since and that's been 13 or 14 years now yeah. um, I did my studies in Paris and I worked in Cape Town and then um, and then after that I was living on and off in Sweden so I did go a little bit back to my roots it felt at that point after Cape Town I didn't really know where my life would take me I was a bit in a standpoint so of course going home seemed like the most obvious thing yeah and then i could have chosen portugal or sweden but at the time i actually um something told me that i would resonate more with the northern european mentality at yeah. that point yeah um which i did and it was really good also i needed a lot of silence and quiet mm. um and sweden gave me that yeah a what lot that desire for silence and inner journey if mm. you want so what was it um i was just a chaos inside <laughs> yeah it was way too noisy and um, um foggy mm, yeah it was what, what created the fog for you <laughs> life i don't know many things life. um i mean at that point i had just gotten out of a quite toxic relationship mm -hmm. so towards the end of our relationship, it was a lot of um, things coming up, like uh, aha moments, but also um, a lot of dirt had accumulated. Um, yeah. So that was definitely a trigger point. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't blame any of it. I mean, we were both in it. We were both harming each other in a way. And I did learn a lot from that. Also, I know what I, I knew what I didn't want from that point on. Um, yeah, so that was what the cherry on top of the cake, yeah. so to speak. Well, if you, th if you think about your, your lifestyle, you traveled a lot, you wanted to see the world, you felt out of place, mm. like in the country you grew up, which is very rare. I mean, like to be with a parent, uh, your father was around or was he not? 
Uh, yeah, um, he died when I was 13, so... Yes, mm. so I mean, so you grew up with a Portuguese parent, so somebody who's very much at home in mm. the localities and obviously adored what your mother did, mm. <laughs> the opposite to, to what the locals do, and then kind of having to free yourself from that. I think a lot of us need to do that. A lot mm. of us are inspired to move out of home if it's like so contrary we don't know whether we are one or the other you know mm -hmm. in german we say neither fish nor meat you know <laughs> yeah. so to speak and then um you came into into seeking but you don't see it as seeking you see it as running away or what were you seeking really or um, how did you seek that mm -hmm. that's a very good question um just to go back a bit um i do think that if my father would have lived on, um, I think I would have rooted, been rooted in the Portuguese culture more. My, yeah, my father was a very, very social person. He loved to have friends around and he knew a lot of people and so on. And when he died, I was um, just 13. So I wasn't really, um, I didn't really, I wasn't nurturing my space in society yet. I was just about to do that. Um, so would he have been around during that, that crucial time of mm. me finding my place in this society? Yeah. Um, I think I would have had much more Portuguese influence. Mm. Things would have been, I think, a bit different. But since I just had my mom who felt like a foreigner, I was then raised as a foreigner also by her. So that's one thing. Um, but then she also very, she also, inspired a lot to go out and explore. She did that herself and to see other things. Um, and then, um, so that was my curiosity to go and see the world. <laughs> also, um, we grew up, um, my mom's sister's husband, so my uncle, he worked in various countries in Africa. Um, so since I'm 13, we would spend Christmas with them. Yeah. So every year we would spend two or three weeks in a different country in Africa and we would take trips and so on. So I did have from an early uh, age that kind of... Um, I learned how to um, be at ease with different cultures and curious and ask questions and so on. Yeah. It was very... I think that I guess some people can be born with that, but it's also a skill like anything and you can learn. And I remember when I was teenager, um, it was such an eye opening for me to go to these countries and realize that all the kids of my age were doing the same thing. You know, uh -huh. it didn't matter if we were in Morocco and Senegal or yeah. Mali or wherever, they were doing the same thing as we were doing back home. Yeah. You know, it, of course, it looks a bit different and it smells a bit different and everything, but we were all teenagers and were yeah. very, very at the core, the same. And for me, that was really, mm -hmm. wow. That was a great life lesson yeah. that I had, that I still remember. But anyway, um, now I'm diverging. Um, but yeah, but that was like, I was asking you, maybe I can help you there, mm. <laughs> you're diverging. <laughs> but to, to see that we're initially all the same, I mean, that's a huge insight from from for a, a teenager, you mm. know, like, I mean, I came to that, I maybe it's something that is inside of us that we all um, experience that way. I remember in my household, I come from a middle class household of Germans. And when we moved into a different area, I started seeking out new friends. Mm. And there was a friend who came from a household that, where there wasn't much money. 
and because of that her kind of conversation you know like her language was different but at the end of the day we both had the same interest you know mm -hmm. in seeking out certain things and my parents always um, you know they mm. took their nose up on that but i was playing with somebody else but to me that was just another human being in this in the search of mm. so we're coming back to what are you seeking when you're doing films and why are you you know on this inner journey as much as on this outer journey mm. um yeah so um just to finish the other part um the inner journey also started late teenagers when um i wasn't dealing with my emotions well at all um due to my father's death that was that has been a central topic for many many years mm. um that i think has been the trigger for my search yes. um and so my emotions were stifled i didn't know how to talk about them and i could feel inside that that was going to lead me to um i don't know for it, me it, it just it felt i remember clearly thinking in my mind Uh, as somebody else was speaking to me that if i didn't change then i would die from the inside it was very like you need to do something about this that said it then took 10 years or more to and or i'm still in the path to um the inner journey um but and and i have been doing a lot of self-destructive things and so on so it's not like from one day to another like everything was going in a very exponentially high yeah. it's been always up and down and that's how it is but that was the trigger uh, and that's how um i started to um little by little do things that i uh, i felt were going to be good for me and yeah. for many years i didn't have a teacher so everything was self-experimented so a yeah. lot of mistakes also um mm -hmm. But I, one thing was for sure is that I knew that I needed human contact. Mm -hmm. I, I had been pushing away um, and I basically hated everyone in a way. Like, mm -hmm. um, uh, so I that was what I was looking for, human contact and so on and learning from people. And that's how um, I took every opportunity to try and, and like look inside and see what was going on and so on. Mm. Um, and film, I actually studied film um, not because I wanted to study film. Um, mm. I I moved to Paris because my brother was living there mm. and I hadn't lived with him for five years or something and um, I missed him. So that's why I went to mm. Paris. Mm. I went to Paris for my brother. Um, we lived there together for almost two years. Um, and in the beginning, I was trying to figure out what I would study. Um, and in this university, it was the most creative um, discipline. Mm. Um, and so I started and I ended up enjoying it because um, I could couple it a lot with anthropology which I really really enjoyed um, and in the end film we made films too mm. although it wasn't the practical side was very rudimentary still in the university but we did make films and experiment with that it was highly experimental uh, which was nice because it was a way to express um, so for that it was great and then in the end it was a lot of a lot of um, classes on philosophy philosophy of aesthetics uh, sociology politics because mm. in the end that's that's what we're doing in film also we're telling stories and for that we need to understand yeah. the human endeavor and blah 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 um, mm. but because I liked anthropology so much 
um, and traveling and, and I had such an easy time with different cultures, I, I always knew that documentary making would be more interesting for me. Mm. But then many years went by and well, I worked a bit in film and then um, I quit. I didn't think I was ready to tell any story. Uh, everything was still very messy inside of me um, until very recently where, but I now I see that even from then there was already a seed planting into what, what it is that I need to talk about. Yeah. Um, and it's becoming more and more clear and um, it's awakening in me uh, again, this very exciting new path, new phase of my life, I think. Um, so yeah, in the beginning I used film as an expression, mostly yeah. more artistic, mm. and now it's, it's, it's shaping itself into something more uh, concrete and something that I can also give to other people. Mm. Uh, because before it was almost mostly done for me, by me, for me, you know, it was... What did it give you? A reflection on the world that you move in or what was Back it? Back then? Yeah. Um, no, mostly about me. I was very egocentrical. Um, yeah. Um, I was still very much in my inner self-discovery yeah. it didn't translate only about me talking about me it wasn't egocentric in the sense that yeah. everything is my face um <laughs> but um like i remember one of the a small documentary i made was at the time i was reading a lot of um castaneda and don juan and so on and that resonated with me a lot because they also do huge <laughs> inner journeys yes. um in very very mysterious ways and i've always had a fascination for the mysterious and things that I can't explain. Um, I almost prefer to have things that I can't explain. Yeah. Um, so then I did a documentary in which um, I was doing a parallel between um, the, that, the shamanic journey, and quantum physics. Um, mm -hmm. So sure, I was exploring the world outside, but always in relation to me. Mm. And I guess we always do that where you can't really get away from yourself and your mind you know everything yeah. is but mind um although maybe there is a, a natural evolution of the individual and it goes through phases and maybe mm -hmm. in your 20s it's a lot about you know exploring the world in a very egocentric way always coming back to you and then slowly maybe hopefully you start to um i don't know be more compassionate, I guess, and incorporate more of the others. And yeah. um, you, you're not so needy of uh, figuring out who you are. Maybe it's it's enough to just be. You don't have to figure out everything. Um, yeah, and um, I have been a long-standing friend of the art world. You know, I never kind of. I mean, I've done everything. I try to learn the guitar. You know, to sing, to whatever you name it. And I never kind of delved as deeply in as you or other people I know. My experience with art, you know, and the tool as art is that we are looking through something to, to get a better view of the world. You know, it's almost like we're zooming in mm. to see a detail and that detail might reflect how we function inside. Is that something that you feel resonates with you? Yeah. And mm. then what I'm hearing in your search and in your endeavor of like, I want to be with me uh, and, uh, you know, and I want to do this work and I want to be with humans at the same time. It always means 
that we're one step away from being <clears throat> being with ourselves or being truly with somebody because this emotional piece that you were talking about where you kind of shove away all your emotion mm -hmm. is not really activated it's kind of understood through the lens and through the interaction but often not so activated yeah 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 um, that, right yeah mm -hmm. um i i do have like i do feel like i have um come a long way and if you had met me in my early 20s i'm i was a completely different person yeah. um i had a really nice um in the end i said i didn't have any teachers but we're all teachers of each other i guess and i, I really learned a lot from even from um even from uh, my friends at university, we were a very small but very tight group. Mm. Um, and we were very, we spent a lot of time together and we were also very physically touchy. Yeah. Um, like we hugged a lot and we caressed and so on. Yeah. And even that, that was almost one of the best um, healing processes that I had, especially coming out of my teenage where I got close to people, but just enough that I would feel safe and then I would back off yeah. um, because getting too close would mean a lot of pain. Yeah, I do. I am. And I don't mean that as a finger pointing, you, you should, mm. you know, and artists are like that. But I think a lot of people struggle with allowing a lot of, you know, personal insight. And so I think we sometimes need a tool, an outside tool mm -hmm. to start looking to to use the same method to look inside do you feel that whatever you're you know investigating inside of you is formed through the lens and through filming and through these philosophies and encounters no not really mm -hmm. and then um then i don't think um art has been a great way to express mm -hmm. um and almost to be um loud okay. And, and you know wild a yeah. little bit yeah. and just to you know let it be um, and that has its own value like the value of its own um, but I wouldn't say that that has been um, crucial for myself um, for my inner journey mm. then then for me it has been much more uh, within um, more spiritual practices um, of yoga and meditation mm. for instance yeah. I, I mean I have also experimented with psychoactives um, and I've had had um, really intense moments mm. um, that then um, catapulted me to work on those things so I did have some insights but truly with the, with the yoga and meditation it has gone to a deeper level that I couldn't have reached otherwise uh -huh. and I think that's because it asks for commitment it asks for um, not pain that's not the right word but um, not suffer either but like you have to stick through you know mm -hmm. um, there is no easy fix and you have mm -hmm. to do it daily daily and you have to stick through uh, the ugly and you yeah, know the and, you just, and the uncomfortable yeah. so you have yeah. to put the effort and when you put mm. an effort that is both into well intellectually emotionally and physically demanding um the rewards seem to also be more lasting i'm yeah. not going to say forever because i don't think anything lasts forever and <laughs> you know every sitting meditation yeah. is is different um it's not like it ever gets like better mm. it just 
goes with the how you are um but that has really anchored me and given that has been um that has been it actually not yeah. not art so much yeah art feeds a little bit in a way it feeds the ego a little bit more yeah and i and i love it it's it's great mm. um, um but um meditation and the philosophies around um also yoga but um zen and tibetan um uh buddhism and so on i really resonate with with that um it's very practical and it's very mm. masculine yeah so that's why i like to couple it with art which for me is a bit more feminine because mm. i allow to be spontaneous mm. um and sitting is still very strict and you know zazen is very masculine but i think having a routine and all of that is also very good yeah and is this um when you think about how you um, came to this transformation piece because you said earlier that I wouldn't have met the same person if I met you in your 20s. So mm. what is that? Would you be able to pinpoint <laughs> a piece of transformation? If somebody would ask you, like, look, I'm where you are, and how do I get to sound as together and inspired and in love with life? You know, like you, is there something that you would recommend or say? recommend Oops. maybe not recommend no, but maybe, maybe recommend. you can more tell from what worked for you you know like mm. we're all different um that's a very difficult question it, because already for me it's hard to pinpoint um the transformations like um yeah i i don't know if it's correct to say even because um I don't have a different life so you know it's always um but for instance um i think the fact that um my father died and then learning buddhism um that has been a really good relationship for instance to learn how to not take myself and life too seriously for for instance you know um i don't know because when my father died i became very rebellious um so a bit nihilistic in a way mm. and then with buddhism i learned how to take that it's home it's home it's the dog <laughs> um i learned how to take that nihilism and like a like i don't yes. care kind of attitude to um 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 to understanding how utterly important everything in life is but also how unimportant it is and how um in ease you know like learn how to take ease from things and to live yeah. in ease um so that that quality of non-attachment i needed to that was a bit destructive in my early 20s um but i had it then already which i don't mm. know if a lot of people do um in a normal life or mm. or a more a more um safe life um but you still have to do the work so then i needed to learn how to transform that into yeah a good way of non-attachment yeah i like you know? what you're saying about the um that's very much an ayurvedic way of mm. living and looking at life um for me it's like 
everything or in tantric even mm. you know like everything is here for a reason so we just need to show up and be uh, on the other hand side if we are being too much in one state then it's becoming poisonous yeah. you know then it's not the remedy and if you say you're becoming so rebellious and nihilistic then then it's a good thing to have mm. but when it becomes too much obviously then <laughs> it's too much and that's the same uh, how you seek healing in Ayurveda mm. where you give up the I need to give up something the idea of I need to give up my rebellion or I need to give up my loudness I need to give up my voicing but you need to give it up maybe in a way that it's not occupying your entire system the entire time yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's yeah. more of a transformative yeah yeah, uh, yeah. sorry no um no go ahead <laughs> No, that's a little bit what we talked about as well, you know, like when you when you get into your travel pants, you know, we both like traveling. Mm. <laughs> we both like traveling, that's why we're sitting here, the two of us. And that we have to be able to to be traveling without any meaning to it. You know, like we can travel and explore the world, which is important to, you know, be as we are and as mm. the other and we can't just live in the continuous traveling, but we need to journey differently at times where we kind of see what resonates and what mm. not resonates. So the poisoning becomes the remedy, mm. yeah. Or the trying to run away from a scenario becomes more uh, a jolt, you know? Yeah. A lot of my, mm, a lot of my transformative moments have come because I chose to switch location in order for my mind to switch <laughs> attitude. Yeah, that's a really good point. Sometimes that really helps also not to yeah. physically move mm -hmm. um, for a purpose and not just to uh, travel for um, leasure or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I find that less and less in me that... Um, that um, idea that it will be better if I go somewhere else. Mm. You know, that was very, very... Uh, if, if I was having trouble here and I had such an easy time packing and leaving, mm. also I owed, own, owned mm. <laughs> very, very little always. So for me, that was... I, I know I have some friends who, before they make a big decision like moving somewhere else or something, they think for you know, days and months, and I don't know. And for me, it was the opposite. It was just so easy. That was a solution. Um, yeah. But because it was fueled by this idea that it will be better elsewhere, but that I quickly understood that you can't really run away from your problems. Um, and nowadays, it's a bit like you said, I don't really have this urge to even travel for leisure so much, or yeah. um, or at least not like in, in the far, like far away, like mm. go to an exotic... Uh, country or you know I'm actually starting to also appreciate Europe and the places that I don't know here in Europe close by even just a few hours uh, car um, drive away mm. um, and that feels nice you know yeah. it's 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 um, yeah the searching mm. is not it, it's coming it feels like the the um, diameter around me is closing in slowly and slowly yeah and i don't need to go so far well uh yeah you d we don't need to go 
so far to be at mm. home. Mm. Uh, a friend said that to me also, like, sometimes we need to run around our own house a couple of times <laughs> until we notice we can just go in and be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I also feel like I'm arriving, but I can also make, you know, this, I can then make decisions from knowing that I've arrived and seeing whether they are contributing Mm. to a change of mind because we shouldn't underestimate the space of liminal you know spaces and just kind of going out of our comfort zone mm. in order for us to grow and you're in the growing process and I feel it constantly still in a growing process and that's the beauty of the journeying I think it, it requires you to acquire new skills that you don't know you will come across you mm. know or will be challenged to learn. Mm, yeah. So what is one of the skills you would, uh, would say that have brought you the furthest? Is it the meditation, the yoga, or what, what has... Like actual you? practical? Yeah. Um, meditation. Meditation? Yeah. 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 Do you do that regularly? Um, I have to say that ever since I moved to Berlin, uh, it has been very, very, very up and down. Um, yeah, it has felt like a whole new phase in my life and I needed to put attention somewhere else. And I also I know how easy it is to fall out of uh, routine and how difficult it is to get back. Um, so I try not to feel super guilty. I know that it's already, it's almost like it's a very good friend of mine that I know that I have. So I know that when the time is right um, and when my efforts are more um, sharp and focused, then... Yeah. I will sit with her again. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't scare me. It's not something that I know is gone. So that's also a really nice feeling to feel like it's my friend. Um, but that has been for me coupled, of course, with the philosophy uh, to put into words things that I have felt. But definitely the meditation has just allowed so much space so much space to then just mm. investigate in the waking life you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't it's not only good to just sit and meditate you you have to then go out into the world and put into practice what you've learned you no know? otherwise it doesn't make any sense um but it it has definitely been um yeah it's definitely been the practice that has most uh, transformed me I think, and, or supported me. Yeah, and raised your consciousness, mm -hmm. which brings me to my last mm -hmm. <laughs> question. What are you working on currently? What can we expect to see from Philippa Eckerut? Um, yeah, I am currently producing and um, directing a documentary film or a documentary series. We still haven't decided on the format about sustainable fashion. We would not only be approaching um, themes on fashion, but also um, why is it that it is so hard for us to maintain a sustainable way of living yeah. um, and so on and so forth. And if it's even, and to also have different ideas of people who think that if it's even possible that we reach any kind of like collective, global, sustainable way. Um, yeah, and if, and, and to hear if that has more to do with politics or the econ economy yeah. or a spirituality. Yeah. Maybe we're all just lacking a lot of spirituality. Yeah, I think when I hear, you know, like conscious uh, fashion, I think mm. about what you said. We need to have space to think about what we really yeah. want. And so 
I feel intrigued about your doc documentary. Mm. You know, like it can go in so many directions. So thank you all for tuning in today with me talking to Philippe Eckerud, the filmmaker living currently in Berlin. And I'd say watch this space. She is coming. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.